what a treat, what a joy it is to see you and to be with you one more, one more time. If you're grateful for God's keeping power, why don't you just say thank you, Lord, for your keeping power? That's what he did. He kept us one more, one more week. We're privileged to be able to come to you one more time as we worship together. Uh, even though we're in separate places, yet we are blessed that we can worship him together. So wherever you may be this day, uh, thank you for taking time to join us for, for worship. All 2020, you and I had no clue what was in store for us as we journeyed uh, into this brand new year. And so as a congregation, we uh, set as our theme that we will seek him in all that we do. In fact, we're reminded that our task as children of God is to involve God in all of our daily dealings. And so our task as a congregation is to seek him in everything that we do. And we started this year off by talking about seeking him in our relationships. Can you say relationships? We started off asking God for his direction as we sought him and seek him uh, in our relationships. Relationships on our job, relationship with those who are within our household, relationships with those who we see every day, relationship with our children, relationship with our co-workers. We sought him in the area of our relationships. And then we moved from seeking him in our relationship to seeking him in our stewardship. We discovered that God owns everything. And since God is the owner, the procurer of everything, it's it, it, it's just significant that you and I talk to the one uh, who owns everything so that we can find out how uh, to not only know how to handle our finances, but even how to handle the gifts, those great gifts that he has bestowed upon us. And then lo and behold, uh, uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, entered into our 2020. And we discovered that we needed to seek him in the area of uncertainty. And we're still living now. We are still living in uncertainty. Uh, we don't know what uh, each day is going to bring. We don't know what holds it. But isn't it good news to know that even when we don't know uh, what's happening, what's going to happen around us, we know the one who holds our hands. And so we sought him uh, in this area of uncertainty. The question now asks, what do you do uh, when you know that uh, God has uh, the best in store for you for your relationships and that God has the best in store for you regarding your stewardship and God even knows how to navigate you and I through uncertainty. The question is, what should we do next? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You're asking some mighty good questions on this first Sunday in the month of May. 
Well, beloved, what we then should do is seek God in the area of worship. And so for these next few weeks, uh, I want you to buckle up your seatbelt as we seek him uh, in the area of worship. Can you say worship with me? Amen. Worship, worship. God wants us to seek him in the area of worship. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Psalm uh, 95, the 95th number of the Psalms. And there you will find these words. Reading today from the New International Version of the Scriptures, you will find these words. Come. You missed that, did you? The book says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us, did you get that? Come before him with thanksgiving and extol him, here it is, with music and song. Why? For the Lord is the great God. I'm, I'm about to shout myself happy right here. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands, my goodness, formed the dry land. So since you know all of that, <laughs> David says in verse number six, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For, 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 for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. The flock under his care. Would you look at your neighbor who's in your house with you or who's uh, on the job with you watching uh, this live stream this morning, this Sunday morning worship, but would you look at them and say, neighbor, Pastor Hubbard's going to talk about <laughs> a gracious <laughs> invitation. Amen. That's it. A gracious invitation. Lord help, Lord help today. In 2016, the Washington Post featured a heartwarming story about an unusual invitation. You see, four years ago, my brothers and sisters, a grandmother named Wanda Dench mistakenly sent a text message to Jamal Hinton. 17-year-old black male, asking if he would come to Thanksgiving dinner at 3 p.m. Jamal thought this message was unusual because his grandmother did not send him text messages, but nevertheless, he responded overwhelmingly with a yes. And they continued to text over the next few days until Jamal was able to confirm that the text messages were not coming from his grandmother, but they were coming from a stranger. 
So he asked his grandma to send him a picture. And she did. She sent Jamal a picture. And when Jamal received this picture by way of text, his reply was, you're not my grandmother. He said, you're not my grandmother, but can I still get a plate, though? <laughs> oh, y'all missed that. He said, you're not my grandmother, but can I still get a plate? And Wanda said, uh, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. We, we, feed, we, we feed everybody. So on Thanksgiving Day, Jamal drove 25 miles to meet a woman that he'd never seen before and uh, met her and her husband. And listen now, over the next four years, this unusual invitation Join two families together and it has blossomed into a wonderful friendship. My brothers and sisters, in our text, we don't see an unusual invitation. We see another kind of invitation. It is an invitation that's far greater than what Jamal received. It's an invite more prestigious than meeting the President of the United States. It is a request that's more majestic than meeting the mayor of our city. It is an offer more celebrated than acceptance at one of the most illustrious educational institutions. My brothers and sisters, David says, you and I have been given a gracious invitation. I wish I had some help in here this morning. He said, you and I have been given a gracious invitation. You, you remember what grace is, don't you? Great Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Grace is when God extends love and mercy toward us because he wants us to have it. Grace is when God shows love to the unlovely, peace to the restless, and favor to the faithless. Y'all not hearing me this morning. I said, you don't know what grace is. Grace is God's riches, yes, at Christ's expense. That, that's why I love Amazing grace. I, I wish I had a witness here. Amazing grace. Yeah, that's what the songwriter said. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I, 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 I didn't deserve what he gave me, but, but I'm glad that he did it. He said, I'm glad that he did it. I'm glad that he looked beyond my faults. And he saw what I need. He knew that I sinned. Can I just pause here parenthetically? And some of us knew uh, when we sinned. Some of us, uh, our sin was not a mistake. <laughs> I wish I had witnesses. Some of us can testify. Brother Pastor, my sin was not a mistake. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I knew when I did it that it was going to feel good, that it was going to look good, that it was going to taste good. I, when I did it, I knew that what I was doing. But isn't it good to know that God, oh my goodness, that, that God looks over even those things that, that are not mistakes. I said God looks over those things that, that, that we meant to do. And even he looks over those things that we did. By accident. Oh, my goodness. You, he extends to us a gracious invitation. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't the sound of grace do something to your spirit? I mean, just hearing and just recognizing and knowing how gracious, here it is, God has been to you. Doesn't that stir up something on the inside? Uh, uh, 
You see, that's why David in the text says, he says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let, let us come before him with thanksgiving and let us extol him with music and song. David says, if, if you're going to uh, engage and, and, and accept this invitation to real worship, you're going to have to have some knowledge. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He said, you're going to have to have some knowledge about who this God that we are worshiping. He says, if you're going to accept this invitation, uh, you're going to have to have some knowledge. You know, it was uh, the poet and the playwright Oscar Wilde who said, nothing annoys people so much as not receiving invitations. My brothers and sisters, let me just ask you uh, this question, wherever you might be, have you ever been left out? Uh, have you ever been excluded? Uh, have, have you ever had to miss out on family gatherings because you didn't get an invitation? Have you ever been left out of social gatherings because, you know, they, they thought that they knew your schedule? Oh, y'all not going to say amen. That, that, but, but, beloved, have you ever not been included even here in church gatherings? But I want you to know that there is something psychologically damaging by not being invited. Can I get a witness here? That's something annoying about being left out. I, I hear you thinking, it don't bother me. They can invite whoever they want to invite. But psychologists have suggested that no matter what you say about being excluded, there is still something painful, something hurtful uh, about being ostracized. There's something debilitating about being rejected. There is something disconcerting about being left out. And it doesn't matter how sanctified you are. It doesn't matter how righteous you are. It doesn't matter how holy you are. There is still pain <laughs> in being left out. But my brothers and sisters, David says to us that there's an invitation all of us have been invited to. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you possess. It doesn't matter how much influence you have. All of us have been extended a call to worship God. I say he's been extended. He extended us a call to worship God. I, I love David. I said I love David. When I peruse the Psalms, I, I, I find great encouragement. I find uh, wonderful inspiration. I find significant instruction from David. When I read the Psalms, I can read uh, see David as he reflects over the past days uh, that have gone by. I, I see him. I can visualize him in my sanctified imagination when he wrote uh, the 23rd Psalm. When David looks back in retrospect at, at a time, here it is, when his popularity got him into trouble. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You do recognize that everything was well with David until he became popular. I don't know about you, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to toss this in the gumbo real quick. Be careful with popularity because popularity might be pleasurable, but it is also problematic. I said it's also problematic. You see, you don't know trouble until you become popular. Oh, my goodness. But, but when David became popular, he had to remind himself, here it is, that the Lord is my shepherd. Y'all missed that. 
I said he had to remind himself that the Lord is my shepherd. Y'all missed that. Y'all not listening. You're looking, but you ain't listening. He said he had to remind himself that God was his shepherd. And, and David says, since he is my shepherd, then uh, I don't have to want for anything. Let me ask you a question. Has God protected you? Has God provided for you? Has God guided you? Because David tells us that a shepherd is one that protects. A shepherd is one who provides. A shepherd is one who guides. And David says to us, the Lord is my shepherd. And because God is my shepherd, I, I, I don't have to want for anything. But let, let me just ask you one more time. Has God protected you? Has God provided for you? Has God guided you? Then David says, you, my brothers and sisters, are a candidate. <laughs> and you are invited to come and worship with me. Beloved, since you know that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Since you know that he provides food when you're hungry, water, when you're thirsty, strength, when you're weak and money, when you're penniless, you ought to come and worship him. Somebody listening to me knows that he is Jehovah Nisi, the, the Lord, our banner. And that is, simply means that God is the one that's leading us. God is the one that goes before us. And I'm reminded of the songwriter when he said, let Jesus lead you. He said, let him lead you all the way. Our problem is we only let him lead him in sometimes. We, we, sometimes we only let him lead him when the times get tough. It's easy for us to give him our hand when it's tough. I said it's easy for us to give him our hands when, when we don't know where we're going to turn, when we don't know what we're going to do. But the question is, can you let him lead you when it's inconvenient? Can you let him lead you not just part of the way, but here it is. Can you allow God to be your leader all of the way? And when you do, my brothers and sisters, you will discover, yes, that he's a mighty good leader. And anybody in here who knows he's a mighty good leader? And when you come to understand and embrace uh, the knowledge of the fact that God is a mighty good leader, then you ought to come and worship him when you know that he's on your side. I'm here to testify this morning that your worship is different. Did y'all hear Elder B.J.? The worship is different. I said, when, when, when you know that God is on your side, your worship gets different. Oh, that's something. And maybe, y'all, I just got to throw this in on you. Y'all know that uh, that's just documentary uh, series on Netflix called The Last Dance. Uh, it's The Last Dance, The Last Dance. Go ahead and say it, The Last Dance. That's what it is. The last day. It's, 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 no, it's, it's about one of the greatest NBA players who ever picked up a ball named Michael Jordan and the team that he led to multiple championships, the Chicago Bulls. I mean, it's blowing up on Netflix. You get opportunity to check it out, check it out. You know, if you got time, if you still quarantine, you know, if you don't have to go back to work, if you ain't one of those who are on the beach, uh, go and check it out and see what it has to say. But, but, uh, but, but before they became champions, they had a coach by the name of Johnny Kerr. Yeah. And, and Johnny Kerr said that his biggest test as a coach came 
when he coached the Chicago Bulls. You got to keep in mind now, this is before Michael Jordan. <laughs> this is before Scotty Pippen. Pippen. Uh, this is before Kerr. But Johnny Kerr is the coach. And uh, they have lost at least seven games in a row. And so Coach Kerr decided that he was going to give the team a pep talk. And he said, he told the players, he said, uh, he went to his point guard and he said, now look at here. Uh, I want you to go out and pretend that you are the best scorer in the league. Pretend. He said, go and, and act like you're the, you're the best scorer in the league. And he looked at his power forward and he told him, I want you to go and pretend that uh, you're the best power forward that this game has ever seen. He looked at his captain and he said, I want you to pretend that uh, you are the best uh, offensive and defensive rebounder the game has ever known. Told the center, look at here. I want you to pretend you're the best shot blocker and the rebounder and scoring center who's ever touched the ball. Well, my brothers and sisters, to make a long story short, after the game, coach was pacing around the locker room, walked up. Uh, he's trying to figure out what's happening, what, what went wrong, and the center walked up to him, put his arms around the coach's shoulder and told him, coach, I want you to just pretend that we won't. And I've stopped out this morning to tell you that you can pretend for only so long. God is stopping by this morning uh, to remind us that he's getting tired of us pretending to worship. Y'all missed that. I said God is stopped by this morning to remind us that he's getting tired of us pretending to worship. I said God is getting tired of us going through the motions of worship. God says, I'm, I'm looking for some real worshipers. I'm seeking uh, for some who will stop pretending and start practicing. I'm looking for some who will stop pretending and start participating. I'm looking for some who will stop pretending and start planning to come with a heart of worship. God says it's time out for us to stop pretending. Oh, and look at what he says. He says, I want you to come and I want you to sing for joy. My brothers and sisters, do you not recognize that worship ought to be joyful? Oh, my goodness. I said worship ought to be joyful. It ought to be joyful. Now, I want you to notice that he did not say that the singer had to be joyful. Can I just press the, can I press the point a minute? You see, some of us don't sing because uh, we don't think we got a voice like uh, Sister Cheryl Elaine. Some of us don't sing because we don't have a voice like Elder BJ. Some of us don't sing because we don't have a voice like Yolanda Adams or Donnie McClurkin. So we stand and we just gaze. But the text says that when you and I lift our voices before this holy God, he's not listening at what it sounds like. He's looking at the heart of the one who is giving it. I wish I had some help here. You see, the one who's concerned about what it sounds like is the person that's sitting next to you. But you ought to look at them and tell them, neighbor, my worship is not for you. My worship is for the one who woke me up this morning. My worship is for the one who put food on my table. My worship is for the one who keep uh, keeping me alive. My worship is for him. Yes, sir. 
But why, 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 why? Because it is to him that I live. And it's because of him that I move. It's because of him that I have my being. Oh, you ought to look at somebody and say, I ain't singing for you. I'm not singing for you. I'm trying to put a smile on his face. I'm, I'm trying to make him happy. Why? Because every time that I think about his goodness, his mercy, and his grace in my life, it stirs me up on the inside. When I think about it, he didn't have to do it, but he did. My worship is for real. Can you just say my worship's for real? You see, that's what God is looking for. He ain't looking for no pretenders. He's looking for some real worshipers. Oh, I got this. Unless I keep you too long. Here it is. That's another thing. He said, mm, mm -mm. not only is the worship ought to be for real, that he's given us a call to worship. But, but in verses number three through five, he gives us a cause for worship. Somebody say a cause. In other words, he gives us a reason why we ought to worship. Can I tell you what, some, just a couple of things that I've discovered during this pandemic is that uh, my God, we don't have to be all in one place to worship him. Oh, right now, what we're doing right now is a, is a testament that we all don't have to be in one place to worship. When you, you at your house right now, you ought to be worshiping. If you're on your job, you ought to be worshiping. If you pull it over on the side of the road, you ought to be worshiping. Because can I tell you something? Have you ever been driving down the road and you start thinking about the goodness of Jesus or some song came on the radio that testified about his mighty acts and you had to pull over? Because your eyes started welling up when you think about how good he's been to you. When you start thinking about where he's brought you from. When you start thinking about how he has cared and comforted you and taken care of you. Listen, we don't have to all be together to worship. But there is something dynamic when we all come together. Oh, my God. I said there is something that ought to happen when we all get together. That's why I can't wait until COVID uh, gets over, when, when, when the cure has been found, when the healing has come. Because something ought to happen when all of God's saints get yes, together. Sir. What a time. Yes, what a time. Somebody ought to say, he kept me. And then the other person say, well, he kept me too. The other one ought to say, well, he kept me when I was about to lose my mind. I, the walls started closing in and he kept me. Mm. But look at here what he says. You and I have a cause for worship. And the cause for worship is the Lord is a great God. Oh, y'all missed that. Did y'all hear what he said? David says, has to remind himself that the Lord is a great God. I looked up this word great. The, great. the word great simply means in the Hebrew, it simply means to be mighty. It just simply means to be distinguished above all others. Oh, y'all missed that. In other words, all David is saying is that ain't nobody like our God. Mm, I, he said, ain't nobody. I know that's not good English, but he said there is absolutely no one like our God. He said, I want you to see just how great our God is. 
He is the great king mm -hmm. above all gods. In other words, anybody who has, do you recognize that Buddha is not God? Confucius is not God. Muhammad is not God. And if you happen to be watching, I'm here to testify to you today that there is only one God. Mm, watch out now. And his name is Jesus. In his hands, in his hands, David said, in his hands are the depths of the earth. I told you, if you're going to worship properly, you're going to have to have some knowledge about God. He says, in his hands are the depths of the earth. All this is testifying to is the sovereignty of our God. Do you not recognize that God is sovereign? That just simply means that he's in control of everything. I said everything. He says that in his hands are the depths of the earth. His, in his hand. Now, now you, you missed this. He, he did not say in both hands. <laughs> he, he uses a, a, a antimorphism to simply say in one of God's hands, he's able to hold the entire depths of the earth. Oh, y'all missed that. Again, he's not only that, but he, he the mountain peaks belong to him. In other words, you, the depths is in his hands. And as you rise up, Look in his hands. Even the mountain peaks are in his hands because they belong to him. Oh, David is saying that, look, when you recognize that God is sovereign, that ought to do something concerning your worship. Do you not recognize that God is sovereign over everything? That God is sovereign over your finances, that God is sovereign over your physical being, that God is sovereign over your problems, that God is still sovereign over this pandemic. God is sovereign. But like I can't hold you. Not only does he say that, but he simply says, listen here. Another reason we want to worship is because the sea is his. He made it. And in his hands formed the dry ground. Oh, David is saying, listen, when your worship is for real, you're going to recognize that God is sovereign. And that ought to cause you to worship. Let me ask you, what is it that you've been worrying about? What is it that you've been fretting about? What is it that you've been concerned about? Can I tell you something? God's in control. God's got it. God's going to bring you through it. Be not dismayed. Whatever be tied. I'm a witness here that God will. A, I said God will. Anybody know that God will? God will take care of you. Yeah, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. But let me give you the final one. Not only do we see a call to worship, not only do we see a cause for worship, but in the text, we see a continuation of worship. Oh, my goodness. Listen, when you get a gracious invitation and then you get filled with knowledge concerning that invite, that ought to make you worship different. Yeah. Verse 6, David says, now that you know what you know, come. <laughs> yeah, let us bow down in worship. Did you get that? You know, what? another aspect of worship is kneeling. And when you and I 
not only kneeling prostrate, but the text is also tailored to teachers that prayer is worship. See, prayer is simply a dependence upon the one that you need. It, it is the idea of taking the focus off of yourself and placing it, yeah, here it is, on the one who can handle it. You see, that's all worship is. Worship is just simply when I remove the focus off of me and I put it on God. I know I got problems, but there's no problem that's bigger than my God. I know I got sickness, but there's no sickness greater than our God. I know I got money problems, but there is no problem that's greater than our God. Worship is removing the focus off ourselves and putting it on the one who's able to make a difference in our life. Can I get a witness here? And so whenever uh, you come to this place of worship, you ought to bow down. When, when we're praying, we're worshiping. When we uh, take the posture of kneeling, we are worshiping. And what God is looking for is for people, yeah, who will worship. I'm about to leave you here, but I need you to know that uh, God always reminds us of what he did for us yesterday so that we can worship him today. You do know what he did for you yesterday? Grandma used to say he woke me up this morning. And Grandma understood that if he woke me up uh, yesterday morning, he can wake me up again this morning. She would always preface it by, if it be his will. <laughs> Can I get a witness here? Anybody know anything about the mighty and the awesome will of God? Uh, if, if God wills, here's what God will do for you. God will, yes, not only wake you up this morning, but Grandma will say he'll start you on your way. Yeah, Grandma will say not only will he start you on the way, but he'll keep you in your right mind. Not only will it keep you in your right mind, but he'll keep you in perfect peace. I don't know who I'm talking about, but I want you to know that whenever we get a, uh, an opportunity to worship our God, you ought to accept and embrace that invitation. Why? Because there is no greater invitation than to come before the presence of the almighty God. Why? Because uh, whenever we're in his presence, something is bound to happen. Sickness is about to leave. Deliverance is about to come. Somebody's life is about to be turned around. I'm trying to tell you that whenever you get your mind off of your trouble and place it on your problem fixer, somebody know that he will make it all right. Can I get one witness? So come what may. From day to day, God will take care of you beneath his wings. See, love abide. God will take care of you. I got to leave you here because I'm on my way to the house since you're already at the house. But you ought to be able to testify that uh, he is worthy of my worship. Worthy of my praise. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I wish I had about four or five people who would just type, say so. You ought to say so, say so, say so. Say he woke me up this morning. 
Say he started me on my way. Say he forgave me of all of my sins. Say that he uh, uh, saved me. Yeah, he turned my life around. Yeah, whenever you start thinking about the goodness of Jesus, you ought to embrace the invitation and come worship. Never mind who's sitting next to you. Never mind who's standing next to you. You ought to look over and tell them that my worship is not for you. It's for the one who is declared the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. You ought to worship him. Matter of fact, worship him. Let me say it one more time. Worship him. Worship him from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun. Anybody know that his name is Watch out now. His name is worthy to be praised. I said he is worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. So no matter what's going on in your life, worship him. <laughs> no matter what you're facing in your life, worship him. No matter what might be on the horizon of your life, worship him, worship, worship him. I got, a, 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 I got a sneak suspicion that when you and I worship him, God peeks over the banners of heaven, calls over the angels and say, look at here. <laughs> look right there. There are some real worshipers. There are some real practitioners. They ain't playing. They ain't pretending. They're not trying to fool me. They, they, I cry because I don't look at good. I look at the heart. I want to know, is there anybody that God can look at your heart and say, he is, she is, uh, a real worshiper. I, I, I wish you'd just get up out your seat right now and just, just worship him. Think about what he's done for you. Think about where he's brought you from. Think about how good he's been. Think about the ways that he has made. And worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. When you know them, he calls us to a continuation to further give from prayer. He said, come, let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. That ought to shout you right there. That he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. Oh, my God. Our, our task, our responsibility is to seek him in worship. And when you and I worship him, God moves. God acts. God responds. Beloved, God is not interested in your money. He's interested in your worship. God is not interested in your gifts because he gave it to you. He's interested in what you can't, what he didn't give you. And that is, he didn't give you worship. You give that to him. And when you and I give him what he didn't give us, oh my goodness, our lives become radically changed. I don't know about you, but something mysterious happened to the young man who accepted that invitation from this grandma. He didn't know who this text was coming from. But when he found out, he asked for a play. You know what happens when you get into the worship of God? You can ask for a play. My goodness. What is it that you need? Ask him. And God will hear. And God will respond.